Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeking for Monday, September 14th, and it is a victory Monday at that. Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Your Saints got the big win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, first win of the season. Your Saints are 1-0, big win, 34-23 over the new Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Great win for the Saints yesterday. We'll have ESPN's Mike Triplett on the show in just a bit to give his analysis with our very own John DeShazer of the game uh, in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday. Great for the Saints to be 1-0 to start the season. You can't be better than that. Can't be better than 1-0 unless you go 2-0 and then hopefully, you know, undefeated from there on. Um, if you missed it yesterday on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app, we will have all your coverage all season long with our Saints pregame show an hour before kickoff. You can catch that on the Saints app and the Saints website or Saints Facebook. Uh, we'll also have your postgame show, the only place where you can get live press conferences of all of the Saints players, including uh, um, and also including head coach Sean Payton. So be sure to tune in to that right after the game. Uh, if you didn't catch it, we have new intro music, new music for the pod. We've gotten some complaints, some suggestions on uh, the podcast music. So we're going through some changes. If you like it, if you don't like it, let us know and be sure to follow us at at Saints Podcast on Instagram. Uh, send us a message to let us know what you think. Also, feel free to ask any questions. We might uh, feature them in the show. Um, who knows? You never know. All right, let's go ahead and get into our interview with this week's guest to follow up the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 34-23, to ESPN's Mike Triplett. All right, welcoming on ESPN's Mike Triplett, a familiar face and sound to our New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek, Mike and JD. We have to talk about the first thing that was the most glaring thing yesterday, and that was the atmosphere inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It was it was beyond bizarre. It was beyond eerie. It was beyond, I don't think, any vocab word that we can come up with. What was the experience like for y'all? JD, I'll let you go first. Don't quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, Mom. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I knew, I knew it was going to be weird, and we prepared ourselves. And, and actually, somebody asked me in a pregame interview, oh, what's it feel like in the Dome? And even then, it didn't feel that weird. Because we've been in the empty stadiums two hours before a game before. We've been to practices that were empty before. But what really struck me is, is and I think, you know, obviously players said this, but Drew Brees said it as well, is just no reaction to things going on in the game. I mean, uh, a lot of us are usually buried in our computers writing things. And, and you can tell when you have to look up sometimes by the crowd reaction. And it's like, it could have been a 45-yard pass. It could have been a sack. It could have been a TV timeout. And you could not tell the difference while being in there. It was just so weird. And, and you know, I don't know if that really adds or takes away from momentum a team is feeling. But, I mean, certainly so different than, you know, when, a, when an interception or a pick six or a big play, you know, leads to, uh, you know, a song and dancing on the sideline. I mean, none of that. They, they had to provide all their own momentum. Yeah, I, I think the natural adrenaline you get, like Mike said, from from the crowd noise, that obviously is lacking. You know, for you know, for a minute, it, it almost felt kind of haunting. I guess that's I don't know if that's a great word. Maybe it is because we're cl close to Halloween, but it just felt it felt so odd. It felt you know hollow. And then you know, it's like anything else. After a while, you know, you kind of get you know settled in, and you kind of get a little bit used to it, and you want to hear some some crowd noise and. You know, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, okay, game's being played and it feels a whole lot like a practice. 
because as Mike said, we've been in practices where, you know, there weren't any fans present, but then all of a sudden you look at the scoreboard and it's like, Oh yeah, well, this one is for real. So, you know, from that standpoint, it, it just, you know, it felt odd, you know, I think probably by the time we get accustomed to it is right when the fans are going to come back. So we don't really get accustomed to it. Yeah, it, it, it was it was weird. And Mikey made a good point of you don't really know when to look up because we're tweeting, we're looking at our computers, we're taking notes, we're seeing what happened on the last play. And then you have no idea what happens on the field because like you said, you're used to the crowd noise kind of leading you in the direction of when to look up. And there was none of that. You could almost like hear a pin drop inside the Superdome and the crowd noise doesn't do it justice to what it's actually like inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on a game day. And the music doesn't do it, it justice yeah. because, you know, the NFL has to approve that. So I thought it was funny how much, I mean, I think Jared Cook was the, the most emphatic, but the players, like, they almost sounded angry about it. They're like, this, this is not the Superdome. They did not get the music and the, the volume right. I mean, they, 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 they were, they were very disappointed. And then of course, Cam Jordan with the, uh, his usual uh, uh, zinger where he said it felt like a game at Tampa Bay. Yeah, he's always going to jam. It, it felt like walking through the mall or something. I mean, it, you know, it was <laughs> that, it, that kind of that, that background noise and a little bit of music and, and, you know, the 70 decibels. And it was like, you know, it, it's almost like a dull white noise in the background. The mall in Kenner, though, the mall in Kenner. Yeah, it almost seems like there's no um, no home field advantage. There's no advantage really at all. Um, but, guys, the the Saints got off to a slow start. Let's start at the beginning of the game. First quarter didn't really look too great for them. It looked a little bit rough. What can you attribute to that slow start where the, the Bucks led 7-0? Mike, I'll let you go first. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm – Obviously, there's a lot of outside factors like a lack of a preseason. They're slow start every year in week one. But this one felt a lot like Buccaneers' defensive game plan and Buccaneers' defensive execution. I mean, Sean Payton and, and Drew Brees both fell on the sword more than I ever remember them. Payton said it might be his worst worst game, uh, game as, a, as a play caller that he's ever had. And, uh, and, and both him and Drew called themselves awful in the game. But obviously, the Saints – thought these swing passes and screen passes and yards after the catch plays were going to work and they didn't I mean Tampa Bay just swarmed to the ball I, I should do some research on this but the negative plays that lost four yards five yards two yards that feels like the most I've ever seen in, in a Saints game and I mean you know credit Todd Bowles and that Tampa defense for swarming to the ball they had the number one run defense in the league last year um, they you know played a lot of zones obviously uh paid a lot of attention to Michael Thomas and took away. I mean, Drew Brees looks downfield, checks down, looks downfield, checks down. They're obviously taking a lot of that away. And if they had lost 30 to 10, he'd say, man, they got to find a way to take more deep shots. The fact that they were comfortably ahead for most of the game, they won the turnover battle, three, nothing being patient and settling for a lot of Thomas Morstead punts worked in this game, but obviously it won't work all season long. JD, anything else to add to that? They might cover. No, it. I mean, I've got to, I've got to agree with Mike wholeheartedly on that one. I, I, I think Tampa's off. I think Tampa's defense um, was much better than I expected it to be. Now, you know, we know they can stop the run. They did it last year, uh, first in the league. But their pass defense and the pressure they were able to apply and the coverage, uh, I thought was way beyond what I thought it was going to be. Um, we saw the Saints and and most other teams pretty much shred them last year. And, and so, you know, they are a much improved team in the secondary and much improved 
and pass defense. I don't know if that's going to last for one game or for, you know, 15 games, but they looked a lot better than they looked last year from that standpoint. And, and, and I think it's natural for most teams to start slow offensively uh, this, this year just because, you know, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in preseason games. You don't see the ones out there together a whole lot anyway, but the practices and the OTAs and the mini camps where they really get to work in. I think, you know, these first, you know, week or two, you might see that where that you don't have that cohesion and timing that teams are accustomed to having at this point. JD, I'll let you lead off on the answer on this one, but um, the Bucks led in nearly every statistical category yesterday, except for turnovers, where they obviously had three to, to New Orleans zero. Um, but we've heard from the Saints defense all training camp. It's something that really stood out, especially the secondary. Do you think that they can continue to live up to the hype? How did they look yesterday, in your opinion? I think they can, because I don't expect a, a drop-off from Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Um, I think having Jack, Jack Rabbit is one of the best things that's happened to Marshawn Lattimore because now Marshawn, I think, has has really honed in on this is the level and, and the intensity I need to have every game uh, of the year. And, and he was probably leaning toward that anyway, but getting Jack Rabbit toward the end of last year, I think, helped him. I think the Saints are deep in the secondary. They did that yesterday without P.J. Williams on the field. And so I just think it's a really much improved secondary. I thought that throughout training camp. It's hard to gauge when you see guys playing against teammates all the time. You know, they're just in the great barometer. But I thought some of the plays we saw them make in that training camp, whether it be Jack Rabbit or whether it be uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, C.D. Deuce, throw it in there. <laughs> whether it be Marshawn. I just thought they had a really good training camp. And so it was, it was for the Saints, it's got to be encouraging to see it carry over to a game. Mike, anything else to add to that? Well, the, the only thing I disagree with John on there is, uh, look, we'll find out if Marshawn Lattimore can lock in every game. He openly admits that's the yeah. one thing keeping him from probably being the top two cornerback in the NFL. But uh, he needed no other inspiration yesterday than having Mike <laughs> Evans on the other side of the field. Mike Evans gets a rise out of Marshawn Lattimore, as we saw when it also drew a penalty against Marshawn Lattimore uh, for shoving him in the back yesterday. Um, but yeah, we never have to worry about Marshawn's intensity when he's going against Mike Evans. So actually Mike Evans being active for that game was probably the best thing that could have happened to the saints. But, um, I, I agree. Look, that was actually my biggest takeaway from training camp is, uh, what an eye opener it was that this secondary looked, um, even better. Uh, I mean, obviously we saw PJ Williams and Patrick Robinson sort of battling for, for training camp MVP, but even more importantly that that Jack Rabbit Jenkins, uh, as I wrote, I, I think I don't think we wrote about him enough this offseason as being their biggest addition because he came last December. But uh, he he really looks like he's going to make a big difference for them. They do have the depth, although Tom Brady did uh, definitely notice the moment Patrick Robinson stepped on the field and he attacked him for a pass interference penalty. And also when Chris Godwin got matched up against DJ Swearinger right away, Tom Brady hit him for a pass. So I do like the depth with guys like Robinson and Swearinger, but uh, it was interesting to see Brady realize when, when he had those matchups that he wanted and take advantage. You mentioned Mike Evans. Mike Evans yesterday, four targets, one reception, two yards uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, he was a, there was some gamesmanship throughout the week. Uh, we weren't sure if he was going to play, and then 
obviously he did play. Um, what do you think is the key for Marshawn to stay locked in? Obviously, you guys just alluded to him needing to be more consistent. He put that on himself to be more consistent. Is there something – is it just upon him to take it seriously and to go in with every game approaching it like he approached Mike Evans yesterday? Well, Mike said I, it I mean, perfectly. Yeah. Mike said it perfectly. If, if he can hate every receiver the way he likes Mike, Mike Evans, he could and uh, be a shutdown corner because he can't stand – Mike Evans, he will never say it that way publicly, but he can't stand Mike Evans. Mike, Mike Evans can't stand him. So if he could get, you know, his dander to rise every week to Mike Evans' level, he'll be an all-pro cornerback. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving around. I'm trying to find quiet places since my kids are home. Uh, <laughs> since my kids are home like again I'm this week. The, I feel like uh, we're on a Sean Payton off-season uh, quarterback. I mean, off-season Zoom call here with you just moving around. At- oh man, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, I'm, I'm trying to hide, uh, trying to hide somewhere in the house here. Um, but uh, well, what I was going to say is that the, the the most important thing for Marshawn Lattimore is he has acknowledged it. I mean, it, it, it's pretty funny to hear how openly he talks about it. That he, he even said, uh, was it the game where Julio Jones was a last minute scratch? And he said, he let down because he said, oh, this guy's not going to be as much of a challenge. But I think Marshawn will be plenty motivated because first of all, we just saw Jalen Ramsey's contract and, and Marshawn's contract extension is coming up next year. But I, look, he really wants to be known as one of the top corners in the league. And he's right there. And, and I, I think he's well aware that consistency is the only thing he's like. We'll be right back to our interview with ESPN's Mike Triplett. But first, a word from SeatGeek. Just like all of you, we at SeatGeek can't wait until we're back in the stands cheering on our favorite teams and singing along to our favorite songs again. We're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy, well, easier. Plus, every ticket purchase on SeatGeek is protected by our buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. All right, now back to our interview with ESPN's Mike Triplett. Adam Kamara last night, fantastic, uh, inches away from just another touchdown for um, the Saints last night. Do you think we saw him use the way we're going to see him be used for the remainder of the season? J.D., I'll let you go first. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think if you keep him in the 15 to 17 touch range, I think that's about where the Saints want him to be. Um, you keep him fresh that way. Uh, you hopefully um, keep down the wear and tear. You get him out on some pass routes. Um, you know, can he run between the tackles? Sure he can. Uh, but you don't want to have him in there banging around, uh, getting bruised up, uh, getting beat up, and, and not have him have his full athletic abilities when you want to get him out on the swing pass or get him in the flat or get him on that long pass from Taysom Hill uh, like they did yesterday. So I think, you know, the 15 to 17, 18 touch range for him is a good place. We've seen that in the past, and I think they want to stay that way. The one thing that, that struck me, especially early, was how much you were using Latavius Murray as the runner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it wasn't just late in the game when they were running out of the clock, which is when Murray also got mm-hmm. some more carries. But I thought last year, you know, we obviously saw Murray have those two monster games when, when Kamara was out. But then Murray would go back to, you know, having like four-yard games or whatever he had. I, I thought it would be a big priority for them this offseason to figure out how to make that a better one-two punch 
kind of like what we saw with Ingram and Kamara. Uh, so I would not be surprised to see them dedicate themselves to having a more consistent role for Murray. And that obviously would be good for both guys because it keeps Kamara fresh. Uh, just because he signed this deal that is nearly uh, the same amount as Christian McCaffrey, we're not going to see him play a Christian McCaffrey role for this team because I, I don't think they think that's good for what they hope is a 20-game season. Along those same lines, uh, as far as usage goes, Jared Cook, we wanted him to have a big year this year for the Saints because him and Drew never really got on the same page until the, the late, latter half of the season last year. Yesterday, he had five receptions, 80 yards, um, and he had that big chunk play. Do you think we'll continue to see those big chunk plays from Jared Cook? Mike, I'll let you go first. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, yeah, Dan Campbell said some amazing things about him this offseason. Uh, I think everything we saw in the second half of last season and what we saw yesterday is totally legitimate. Now, I do think there is a ceiling on, on, you know, how many targets Jared Cook will get in this offense, especially after they've added Emmanuel Sanders. But, but that just, I think, means these one-on-one -on -one matchups where he breaks free deep on the outside are going to be even more possible because defenses do have to worry so much about Thomas Kamara and uh, Sanders. JD, anything to add? Yeah, I think that that very much sums it up. Um, he's he's a weapon. Um, you know, Drew Brees is usually going to find the open guy, and yesterday it happened to be Jared Cook. Uh, some weeks it won't be that, but if if teams are going to want to pay that much attention to Mike Thomas, and attention to Emmanuel Sanders, and that kind of attention to Alvin Kamara, then you know Jared Cook is a nice fourth option <laughs> that you would take on most teams. And you would take your chances with him against, you know, whether it's linebackers or safeties, you're going to eat that one up and, and hope that he comes out on top. What do you think we'll expect to see out of Michael Thomas? Because yesterday he just had 17 yards. Obviously, the, the Saints have added so many different weapons. And it's great to have so many weapons. But when you have a guy like Michael Thomas who wants the ball and who you can't guard, do you but do you think we'll see his usage go down a little bit? No, I don't a little think bit. the usage you go down, you know, not – catching 149 balls every year. No, I don't know that that's going to happen. Okay. So, you know, I'm sure he would like that, uh, but that probably is just not a realistic expectation as a reason why it was an NFL record and nobody's done it before because it's hard to do. And when you add in Emmanuel Sanders, who is a really good target. And if you've got healthy Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook, then naturally you need to spread it around uh, to keep defenses honest and make this offense as good as it can be. So, you know, I don't know if his usage is going to go down, but I wouldn't expect catches to be at a, at 149. Yeah, I'll take the under on 149 <laughs> and, the, and the over on, what was it yesterday, three catches for <laughs> 17 yeah. yards? Yeah. Somewhere between those two. No, look, I, I agree. His usage has to go down from last year because we think Emmanuel Sanders is going to play a bigger role as a number two receiver than any number two receiver they've had. Uh, you know, probably since 2016. Uh, and we think we're going to see more Deontay Harris in this offense. Taysom Hill is a factor in this offense. Traquan Smith should have his best year now that he's healthy. So it, it just stands to reason that they'll spread it around more than we've seen in recent years. And they don't have to force it to Michael Thomas. But if we, if we saw a game where they weren't protecting a lead, where they weren't winning the turnover battle, 3 nothing, leading by double digits most of the game, and had a lot more plays where they absolutely had to have it. Um, we could have seen, you know, but the next one of those we see, we're going to see another 11, 12, 13 catch Michael Thomas game. Uh, those games are going to come this year. There's no doubt about it. 
Two more questions before I let you go. It, the news broke in the game yesterday that Demario Davis signed uh, another contract with the Saints and extension for three years. Um, yesterday he had six tackles, one sack. How important is he to the Saints defense? Mike, I'll let you start. Yeah, I mean, just huge. And what a – what a. I mean, it feels like a huge bargain deal. I know he's, he's, he's older, which, which probably drove the price down. But I think also his desire to be here because they've been such a great fit for each other. Um, you know, made them both want to get this deal done and do it long term. And, and I mean, uh, I think since Drew Brees, it's possible that he's the best free agent uh, addition they've made. I mean, yeah. when you think of what he's done as a player and as a leader, you know, taking over the pregame chance last year when, when Brees went down um, and, and that he's done it at a position that they've been struggling to fill for, for many years. I mean, there's not enough uh, praise you can heap on, on what a good fit he's been here. Yeah, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I mean, that's about the best I can I can say. Not not just a nicer guy, but a guy who who can play as well as he can too. Because you know you can be as nice as you can and not be able <laughs> to play a lick, and they're going to pay anything. <laughs> but you know he, he's a really really good player. Uh, probably you know one of those instances where you actually say a guy might be a better person than he is a player and actually mean it. You know he's that kind of person. So you know great to see him. Uh, he feels secure about it. he. He seems to be really happy with it. And uh, if he's happy with it, man, everybody ought to be happy with it. Last thing before I let you guys go, uh, Sean and Drew, as you guys said earlier, took a lot on themselves yesterday with the play calling, things like that. And Drew said he could have had a better game. But if you guys could point out one to two things that the Saints need to clean up for the next game, what would they be? J.D., I'll let you start. Well, I think they're going to want to, you know, protect a little bit better. Um, I thought uh, there were some some – instances there where you know Breeze was under pressure and you know so obviously you want to do that better and of course you want to run it better uh, if you can run it better then you'll be able, if you can run it you'll be able to throw it as, you know as much as you want but you got to be able to run it effectively I thought for what they wanted to accomplish yesterday against that run defense 34 carries and 82 yards wasn't awful because that's just a team you just kind of got to you know bang your head against the rock and see if you can you know see if you can break it you know at some point but, you know, I think they're obviously going to want to want to run it better. And, and then you want to protect Breeze better, give him, you know, maybe another, you know, heartbeat, maybe, you know, half count so he can maybe scan the field just a little bit more. Mike? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say they did anything wrong yesterday, but they're going to have to they're going to have to show uh, defenses uh, a little more of a downfield, a downfield threat uh, for them to worry about. So they can't just swarm tackle uh, uh, Kamara in the run game like they did the other day. Um, uh, you know, we've sort of been saying that for the last two or three years with the Saints that they don't have enough uh, downfield deep ball presence on this team, and yet they still continue to find a way to win efficiently without that. But obviously you want to see that they can hurt you over the top with, with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders a little bit, uh, which I think will open things up underneath. All right, Mike, well, we appreciate you joining us. As always, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Triplett with two T's, just one L in that game, uh, in that name. Mike, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you.
All right, thanks to Mike for joining us on the show today. Always great to have him get the analysis between him and JD. We'll have your recaps every week on Monday uh, following the game, unless it's next week, which our game is on Monday. So we'll have a preview uh, of the Raiders game, Saints versus Raiders game on Monday next week. Uh, we're back to our regular scheduling of Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the podcast. So be sure um, to take a look at that, whether it's on the Saints app or iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast, be sure to tune in on Wednesday for our next show. Of course, you can find all of our interviews, transcripts, everything on NewOrleansSaints.com. And of course, by now, we hope you have your Saints app downloaded and you're following at Saints on social media. As I mentioned, you can follow at Saints Podcast on Instagram and we have at Saints Pod on Twitter. Uh, Let us know your thoughts. We want to know your thoughts on the show. Uh, Whether you like me as a host, whether you hate me as a host, please don't tell me. Um, (laughs) But we want to know your thoughts. as we go forward. All right, again, thanks to Mike Triplett for joining us on the show today, as well as my co-host, John Shazer. We will talk to you all on Wednesday. Hope you have a good Victory Monday, everyone.